Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, June twenty second, twenty twenty three. And it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining the program. We are on the eve of PFL 6. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC Jacksonville. Yes, the UFC back at the... Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida for an ABC card. Main event, Josh Emmett versus Ilya Taporia. We got Amanda Hebas versus Macy Barber. Former Jaguars player Austin Lane taking on Justin Taffa, David Onama, Gabriel Santos, Brendan Allen, Bruno Silva. That's your main card. We also have Neil Magny versus Phil Rowe and a whole bunch of other fights. I really love this Tabitha Ricci. Jillian Robertson fight. There's a lot to like about this card, and I'm actually going to be there on Saturday. Didn't know until yesterday, uh, but I'm going. I will be there covering that event for MMAfighting.com, and I'm very excited about that. I haven't been on site for a UFC card since International Fight Week last year. That was the last time I've been at a UFC card. So uh, I won't be there for, you know, the weigh-ins and all that stuff. But uh, I will be hopping into the Heckmobile bright and early Saturday morning to drive on over to Jacksonville. It's about an hour and 45-minute, two-hour drive. And we get some early-day MMA. First fight, 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Love that very much. Main card at 3 p.m. We should be wrapped and packed by 6 p.m. Eastern. Gotta love that. And then I'll drive home right after. It's a beautiful thing. So we can talk about that. We are expected to be joined by a special guest. So just waiting on the arrival of Jazz and Jazz Devizius. I mean, I talked to her last night, said she was in. She has the link. So as soon as she hops in, she will join the program and she will answer your questions. But in the meantime, uh, while we wait for her to arrive, let's get into this thing. We'll go to Tristan first, and then we will uh, we'll get take as many as we can, and then you guys can ask Jasmine questions when she gets here. Uh, Tristan, hello. Hey, Mike. So, will I be able to tap back in when she joins in, or 
Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, just uh, uh, it was all Anthony Fernandez will be fighting Chris Curtis back in September. FI card is in September. I uh, want to know your thoughts on my that. If I, man, let me tell you, if Fluffy could beat Curtis and actually finish him, and then get in the rankings at the number fifteen. I mean, that sky's the limit for, for Fluffy at that point if he could get this win. This is a tough fight for Fluffy, you know, and um, it's hard to finish. Chris Chris does not get finished. Not only that, um, with with um, Chris Curtis, his takedown defense is incredible. So it, 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 that is a very interesting fight. It's a banger fight. Just your, your early thoughts on that as that fight happens in September. Thanks, Mike. Yes. Um... I broke that news last night. Multiple sources. Chris Curtis versus Anthony Hernandez, September 16th. T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. That is being kind of positioned as the Mexican Independence Day card. Um, it's a great fight. I'm surprised. Like I was a little surprised because Chris Curtis just fights all the time. Like The dude never takes a break. Uh, in his last two fights... There were clashes of heads and all that stuff. Things were not going particularly well for him in the Nasruddin Imavov fight. So I think that clash of heads was might have been a good thing at the end of the day. I mean, Curtis was starting to get a little momentum, but Imavov's size just was such a such a factor in that fight. But Curtis is a gamer, man. The dude just just gets after it. Three, four fights a year, never stops. It's a great fight. It's a great fight. Be it, it's I, I think it's pretty good matchmaking, almost perfect. I forget what I suggested for Hernandez. Maybe I suggested like the Brad Tavares test, but this is like just as good, if not better, honestly. So this might actually be perfect matchmaking. And if Hernandez wins, yeah, he's he's a ranked eighty fiver, and I'm looking forward to the matchup. I was just a little surprised that Chris is coming back so soon, but. The dude just doesn't stop fighting. So it's it's pretty fantastic. Let's go to Cole. Hey, Cole. Cole, you there? Nope. Morning, Mike. What's All up, I got is uh, before you check the line for this main event this weekend, Tapuria versus Emmett. I was just curious of in your head what you had it handicapped as, because I kind of see people saying. It might be a little bit blown up in one way. Just want your thoughts on that. Thanks, man. Um, I haven't looked today. I looked at it. I was listening to No Bets Bard on the way to the gym this morning, and I was pretty stunned by how wide that line was. Let me just see what it is now. Minus 345 for Ilya Taporia. Come back on Josh Emmett plus 285. Look, I think Ilya Taporia is going to win this fight. But if you're betting on this fight, I I feel like that's a really high line. I feel like that's really wide. And I and I think Ilya Taporia is hold on one second. I'm trying to get our special guest.
Bear with me. Sorry about that. I think all the betting values on Josh Emmett is what I'm trying to say. Plus 285. Emmett's just fought. Look, Ilya Tapori is the future of this division. No doubt about it. He's super talented. Josh has just been in there with way better guys. He's been in there with way better competition. He's got a lot more five-round experience than Ilya Tapori has. I think skill for skill, Ilya is the better fighter. But I feel like this fight is going to be on the feet for almost all of it. And Ilya is probably, from a technical standpoint, a better striker than Josh Emmett. But Ilya leaves himself open to get cracked. And if Josh Emmett lands that big shot on Ilya Teporia, he's been cracked before. He's been wobbled before. Jai Herbert hit him, and, and, and I know it was up a weight class. Jai almost got him out of there. I think Josh hits harder than Jai Herbert does, even down a weight class. This is, a, this is an interesting fight. This is an interesting fight. The No Bets Bard folks were saying, if you're going to bet Josh Emmett, don't even take the plus 285. Go for the Josh Emmett by knockout prop, which I actually agree with. I think it was plus 450 the last they checked. If Emmett's going to win, he's going to knock Elite Tapori out, in my humble opinion. And I think the longer this fight goes... Just, just what my gut is telling me this fight's going to look like. I think it probably favors Ilya Taporia, but Josh could just have a nice technical fight, stay at range, land shots, kind of approach this like um, I don't know what that means. Um, approach is kind of like the Calvin Cater fight, but I think these two are going to get in there and just throw hammers at each other. So I don't think this fight gets to the third round. But it'll be interesting to see what happens if it does. But honestly, if I had like 20 bucks thrown at me and then said, put that 20 bucks on somebody, I'm going to try to maximize that value as much as possible. I'd probably put on Josh Emmett by knockout. If you're giving me a straight pick, like whoever wins, it's it's all the same. I'm probably picking Ilya Taporia, but I think all the value is that this. I don't think Ilya Taporia is a minus 345 favorite of a Josh Emmett. I just don't. You want to put it like minus 225, minus 200? I'm okay with that. But minus 345 seems really wide to me. Now, I could be wrong. I get shit for this all the time, but I was the guy who thought there was value on Lauren Murphy against Jessica Andrade. I thought the betting line was far wider than I thought it should have been. I I had no problem with Andrade being a, a, a pretty sizable favorite. I didn't think she was like a minus 350 or whatever it was. So I thought there was some gamesman game value on Murphy, but turned out I was dead wrong about that. You probably could have lined that at minus 700, and there's still value on Jessica Andrade the way that fight played out. But to me, Emmett's just got so much experience in these big moments. And yeah, it's a wide line. I was, I was very surprised to see the line where it was. So we're trying to get Jasmine in here, um, and I will let you know when that happens. Uh, Four Quarter Sports, hello. Hey, so you just mentioned about what's it called, Emmett? What's you know winning by the the best prop bet would be winning by knockout. I was actually watching some of his fights, um, you know, prior like with the Shane Burgos fight, his fight against uh, Calvin Cater, which I'm going to mention in, in just a sec. And I just feel like I feel like 25 minutes would actually favor more Josh Emmett just because 
with the way Ilya Zaporia has his hands down, and he's sometimes it looks like he's like, like I think uh, what the jet said, um, like he's like swinging from like his ankles. I feel like Emmett just needs maybe one clean punch, like the the same way that Irene Aldana ended up hitting Amanda Nunes. If he's able to get something clean like that, I think it could be you know good night Zaporia. But I'm favoring Zaporia. I just think that. The the big question that I have is how is Ilya Tapuria gonna last twenty five minutes if it goes twenty five minutes? Because we've seen him um in three round fights and sometimes it actually looks a little bit tiring. And it looked a little bit tiring when he fought Bryce Mitchell. Um I had placed Bryce Mitchell too when just because I thought that Mitchell was gonna be able to grind it out, but I was clearly wrong. But that's one question that I have is how will Ilya Tapuria look if this thing goes past um, the, the third round, um, I did see um, on Twitter Tyson Chartier actually um, had replied back to an MMA journalist and um, saying that Calvin Cater, you know, might be coming back by the ending of 2023. I want to know what's your opinions on that, and who do you think um, the New England cartel and Calvin Cater might try to, you know, target on who they may want to fight at the ending of this year. And I saw, I don't know if it's official or not, but um, Jessica Andrash um, and Tatiana Suarez are set to fight um, in Nashville on August 5th. Now, I think that Tatiana Suarez might just run through Jessica Andrash. And do you feel the same way? And is I just feel like Jessica Andrash has just been putting herself you know, consistently into fights. And I just feel like this is a bad style matchup. Do you think her her management team and her corner should probably, you know, tell her to slow it down and maybe just focus, you know, at fighting at straw weight? Just because I feel like um, I don't know what's it called. I feel like Andrade against Suarez. There's just gonna be a wrestling clinic from from Suarez, and I feel like um, Andrade is not gonna be able to bounce back from something like this. So I just don't know what you think. All right, thanks, Mike. So the cater thing. It's kind of hard to pick an opponent, but I did see – I had been hearing that. It, Kevin had told us as well that his recovery is going better than expected. He didn't – he wasn't wholly sure that he was going to be able to fight this year, but he actually felt like there was a, a small chance that he could. And apparently Tyson Chartier, the the great manager, the, the head coach over at the New England Cartel, says maybe the end of the year. I'll tell you what fight I want to see. If Volkanovski beats Yair Rodriguez, I want to see Calvin Cater fight Yair Rodriguez. That fight I want to see. I've been wanting that fight for a while. Even before the Max Holloway fight, I've, I've wanted the, the Cater-Yair fight for a long time. So I would love to see those two fight. But we'll have to see. This division is loaded. So much happening. Who knows where it's going to go. There's a lot of contenders right now. There's a lot of guys on the come up. So be interesting to see where they go with Calvin Cater. Now, the, the, the Andrade Suarez booking, first of all, my first reaction was I feel horrible for Verda Janjaroba because this is a big opportunity for her. I thought that was a really interesting fight. She's looked incredible. I would probably pick Suarez to win, but that's a big opportunity for her. And knee injury, it's going to require surgery. As first reported by our own Guillermo Cruz, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little while before we see her back in there, which is unfortunate for her. As far as the matchup goes, look, I get it. That's 
we've kind of seen that reaction. Like, what are we doing here? Someone needs to tell Jessica Andrade to be a little more selective with her matchups. But at the same time, if we're going to play devil's advocate, and by the way, I, I kind of agree with that, to go from Lauren Murphy to Aaron Blanchfield to Yan Nan and not a Tatiana Suarez all in the span of a, like seven months. I mean, to be fair, she's making up kind of for lost time. She fought in April, 2022, didn't fight the rest of the year, came back in January and then fought real quick in February. And then came back three months later, less than three months later to fight Yan Jana. And she's come back a little less than three months later to fight Tatiana Suarez. Jessica Andrade is 31, but she is – there's some fighters where you could be like 34, but you're like 28 in fight years. Jessica Andrade is 31, but she's probably like 37 in fight years. She's been in there with everybody. And the way her run is going right now, the losses she has suffered, being in there with just about everybody – if she wants to be a world champion, she, this is the fight she has to win. The door is closing for Jessica Drudge. The door is closing. This division is getting hungrier. There's new contenders emerging. If she wants to fight for the belt, you can't be picky. You have to go for it. The door is closing. The deadbolt is almost locking behind her. I don't like this matchup for her at all, but... I think the juice is worth the squeeze here if she wants to get back to a title fight. If she loses this fight, I'm not saying that she'll never get back, but the road is super-duper long, and she's going to have to beat someone like a Tatiana Suarez to get back there. So if you're going to get Suarez, if you think you're going to get her, now's probably the time. Because if she gets on a run, she's only going to get better and better and better. So I get it. I wish she'd take a little time, honestly, but when opportunity knocks and you get a name like Tatiana Suarez, like if she goes out there and beats Tatiana Suarez, she jumps way up at 115. She jumps way up. So we shall see how that all plays out. I'm told Jasmine will be here momentarily, so stay tuned. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning 
and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. One Toro, hello. Are you there? Okay, I got nothing. Uh, We'll go to CV. CV, hello. Yo, Mike, good morning, heck of a morning. Uh, Two quick questions. Um, So last night, I think Ralph Hunt and Song and Dong got officially announced, and we got Sanhagen and Umar coming up as well, and Cejudo Vera, that's probably gonna happen, hopefully. Plus, of course, uh, Sterling O'Malley. where does Peter Jan fit in all of this? And which, which matchup do you think make, makes sense for him? Um, I'm kind of thinking Pedro Munoz kind of makes sense, but uh, let me know your thoughts on that. And one more question. Um, so I saw on Twitter, uh, Shavkat and, and Kelvin Gastelum were having a little back and forth, um, maybe setting up like a potential matchup for Kelvin's first uh, fight and welterweight in a while. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Thanks. I uh, love that fight. Talked about it on Tuesday. I think that's the fight. Because I don't think – like, the fight they should make is Shafkov versus Kamara Usman. That's the fight to make, in my opinion. But I don't think Usman's going to jump on that opportunity. I don't think Shafkov has sort of the name and the star power that Hamza Shemaev has. Like, I understand Usman fighting Hamza Shemaev. I don't think the, the risk-reward is in Usman's favor to fight Shafkov. So I don't think he's taking that fight. Bilal Muhammad is just kind of hanging out there. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with him? I am not confident that his next fight will be for the belt. But this whole thing with Connor could make things a little bit easier, could clear the path a little bit for him with everything going on with the allegations and everything. So, yeah. I like this fight because he's going to have to fight backwards. He's going to have to fight backwards, and I don't think he gets a ton of rub from really anybody else in the division. Like, who else is he? The, the, let's take a look at some of the names there. Like, he could fight, like, Vicente Luque is already fighting. He already beat Jeff Neal. Wonderboy's not taking that fight. Gilbert Burns is hurt, so he's probably not taking that fight, and I know they train together. Sean Brady's fighting Jack Della Maddalena which would be interesting, but it doesn't give him the rub, so to speak. Kevin Holland would be interesting for name value, but Kevin's booked already, fighting Michael Chiesa. Chiesa's booked. Ian Gary's booked. Pereira's booked. D-Rod's coming off two losses. This is not a ton for him. So if you're looking for something that is not a top five guy, let's get the biggest name possible and... Be an interesting fight. I think I think that's a good. I think that's a good matchup. I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect for if he's not going to fight a top five guy. If he's not going to get an Usman, 
He's certainly not going to get Shemayev. I know everybody wants that fight, but it's not going to happen, folks. That's it. That's the fight. And kudos to Kelvin Gastelum, man. Kudos to Kelvin Gastelum for getting out in public and just saying, hey, I'll fight this dude. Because you don't hear a lot of people coming out saying, I'll fight this dude. So, All right. Uh, one tour, do we have you? Yes. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, I haven't seen this uh, speaking section in a while. But um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, well, first, I wanted to voice my frustration or on the current situation of the bantamweight division or the decision-making of the UFC. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of the UFC. I'm uh, some more of a fan of, of Dana and, and the whole matchmaking uh, people in the UFC. But I've been kind of frustrated. Well, when I saw... Um, the Harry Cejudo versus Marlon Vera. I was, I was, I was kind of frustrated because on behalf of Corey Sandhagen, um, I, and I just wanted to know, like, if I, I just wanted to get a different perspective from mine because my perspective is, why would they make Harry Cejudo versus versus Marlon Vera, which is very high risk for Harry Cejudo, low reward for him, but high reward for, for Marlon Vera. And very low risk for him, right? So, in the situation that Marlon Vera wins versus Henry Cejudo, because anything anything could happen. You saw it during the Dominic the Dominic Cruz fight and the um, uh, Frankie Edgar fight. That Marlon Vera is a, is a, is is unpredictable. Um, he was getting dominated for about more rounds than not for each of those fights, and in the end, he landed a, a great kick on both opponents, and he won. Um, and you saw what Malavera did against Rob Font when he dominated him for all five rounds. So let's say Malavera wins and Henry, and um, Corey Sanhagen loses to Omar Nurmagomedov because he's he's already not the favorite in that fight. So if Henry, if Malavera wins, is that going to be Malavera's opportunity to get a chance at the title, even though Corey Sanhagen already beat him? So I'm just trying to like understand like. Why would they make that fight between both fighters? And I know, I know, Corey Hagen is, is a competitor, and he wants the toughest fights all, uh, <laughs> all the time. I'm saying, why would the UFC make that fight? Which doesn't really make sense to me. And also, according to like the DDP and and the Israel's and Israel Dana Israel Adesanya fight, why didn't they make that happen? And why did they make him fight? <laughs> um, uh, got his Whitaker. name. Yeah, Robert Whitaker. Why would they make that fight? And it's just like I'm very frustrated at the decision-making of the UFC, and I just want to know if I'm having a wrong perspective on it. I just want to get your thoughts. Yeah, so we, we've talked about the Izzy thing a ton. Like, I, I don't understand the, the matchmaking at all, and it's kind of too late to really change much. So we just got to kind of deal with it and, and hope that it all works out. So we, we'll see what happens. Someone asked earlier about the Rob Font. Uh, Song Yudong fight, great fight, love it. Fantastic matchup, great issue. That Boston card is nasty. That is a good-looking fight card right there. No doubt about it. And the previous caller asked what's next for Piotr Jan. I kind of like Piotr Jan versus Dominic Cruz. I kind of like that fight. I kind of like that fight. Be an interesting matchup. 
So I'm in for that. Now, here's, here's the Bantamweight situation, okay? The plan for Cejudo was Marab. That was the plan all along, I'm told. Uh, there were talks about maybe doing it in Boston, maybe September, October, but Marab had surgery. Doesn't look like Marab will be able to start training again until right around that time. And Henry Cejudo really wanted to fight on this card because I believe it was the 15-year anniversary or some big anniversary number of when he won the Olympic gold medal. So he really wanted to fight on this card. I had heard rumblings about the Cheeto fight a little while ago. It was just a matter of clearance and getting both sides on board, official agreements in place, all of that. So, and the UFC is also a business. So think about it this way. Aljamain Sterling is fighting Sean O'Malley on that card. Okay, if Aljamain Sterling wins that fight, he's vacating the belt and he's gone. So that's that. Sean O'Malley wins. This he has history with both of these guys. Sean O'Malley wins the title. He has history with both of these dudes, and you have enough of video footage and press conference scrums and interviews, all of that, where. If Cejudo wins, you could do Cejudo versus O'Malley. You got something there. If Cheeto wins, Cheeto versus Sean O'Malley is probably the biggest, especially for the title, that's probably the biggest fight you can make in the Bantamweight division right now. There's so much history between those two guys. Everyone wants to see a rematch. A lot of people felt like the first fight, you know, was an abrupt ending that not a, that left a bad taste in people's mouths. Not me. Marlon Vera won that fight fair and square. You get no argument from me. None whatsoever. And if Sterling loses, or if Sterling wins and vacates the title, if Henry Cejudo beats Sean O'Malley, then we could do Henry Cejudo versus Marab Dwellishvili. You could do that for the vacant title. If If Marlon Vera wins... Then it's kind of weird. That's when things get a little crazy. That's when things get a little wild. And to me, if I'm Corey Sanhagen, you take this fight. If you win and Marlon Vera beats Henry Cejudo and Aljamain Sterling beats Sean O'Malley, Corey Sanhagen's getting the title fight. They might do Corey Sandhagen versus Marab for the vacant title. So there's, we have to wait and see how this plays out. But the UFC is, there have been seeds planted for this. So it's just a matter of how it plays out. Now, I think the UFC, in a weird way, is banking on Sean O'Malley beating Aljamain Sterling. Because if Sean O'Malley wins the belt, the options are aplenty. They're all good. Cejudo, Cheeto, even Marab even though it's a horrible stylistic matchup for Sean O'Malley, you get the video of Rob stealing the coat, all of that. Like you got something there too. It's there's a lot of options here. So I get it. I get where you're coming from. We want to live in a meritocratic world. I get it. I get it. But the UFC very rarely lives in that world. And they make so much money hand over fist. They want to put on the biggest fights possible that draw the most eyeballs that, make the most amount of money that sell tickets that sell pay-per-views all that good stuff. So 
that's kind of how I look at it. That's kind of my breakdown. And it's a business thing. It's a big, it's a, it's a business thing. Trying to get our special guest in here. I don't know if we're going to be able to get her, but we will try. We'll keep going until she gets here. And hopefully we can get Jasmine in here. Eric Clark. Hello. Good. How are you? Good. So what are they going to do with us? Steve and John Jones. Are they still going to fight or no? Jeez, man. Uh, I freaking hope so. I hope so. I mean, what can I say? You get two guys who are very tough to lock down. I feel like they're gonna put. I feel like they're gonna make this fight, especially with everything going on with Connor. We have like no idea what's going on. If you can't get Connor back and you can't get John Jones back, that's tough. Because John ain't fighting Sergey Pavlovich. Like it's just not gonna happen. Unless like the UFC is like, we'll pay you an extra two million dollars to fight him, and I don't think they're gonna do that. So I think the UFC is going to do a full court press. I know Tyson Fury is saying that they offered him a whole bunch of money for a, a some sort of hybrid fight. Um, who the hell knows? Oh, wait a minute. Do we... We may have her. She may be in here. Is she in here? Getting the screenshot that she is. So I'm op- I'm optimistic that we get this fight. But it's just a matter of getting everybody in line here. and could be tough. Uh, let's go to Deacon. Deacon. Morning. Uh, I'm a... Hey, I'm a casual fan here. Just want to hear uh, what you have to say about some tips to uh, become less of a casual fan. Thank you. Wait, say that again? Well, I just, uh, I'm a casual fan, and uh, shout out my boy Cole, too. I forgot about that. Uh, I just want some tips from your perspective on how to become less of a casual fan. Become less of a casual fan? Just watch more fights, man. Just watch more fights. Go back and watch some of the classics, man. Go back and watch some of the classics. I'll tell you, the fight that I always tell everybody to go back and watch is Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit. Go watch that fight. having technical issues yeah go watch that fight start there and just go into the rabbit hole you can just go through a robbery lawler rabbit hole and then after you go through the robbie lawler rabbit hole go through the carlos condit rabbit hole because to me and look i understand and this is a hot take but i've said this before and i'll say it again i understand the love and the affinity Everybody has for Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald. I get it. That fight is cool. 
You got the stare down. Robbie's face is a mess. All of that. I get it. But that is not... That is a great fight. It's a memorable fight, mostly because of the card it was on, if we're being honest. That crowd was on fire. Sorry. I think the timing for that was perfect. But the better, to me, the better fight is Condit Waller. Waller Condit is the better fight, in my humble opinion. That is, that is probably my favorite. That is, at worst, the second, my second favorite fight of all time. That is probably, it's either, it's either one or two. That fight, to me, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than the Rory fight does. In, in my opinion, it's a better fight. It's a better fight. And the only, the only tough thing about re-watching that fight over and over again is you come to the conclusion that Carlos Condit never won a UFC title, and that night he probably should have won a UFC title. He should have been the undisputed welterweight champion of the world. Robbie, Robbie had that incredible fifth round, but to me, Carlos won that fight every time I've watched it. And to me, that's the best fight ever. One or two at, at, at the absolute second at worst. So go watch those fights for sure. Uh, Black Belts, hello. Hi, how are you? How are you guys? Good. Good. What's up? Uh, what's, uh, I'm good. Uh, I have two questions, guys. Okay. Uh, the first question uh, is, uh, do you think Elon Musk can beat Mark uh, Zuckerberg? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, you, you don't. I don't think so. I, I, I don't give a shit about any of that, but it's hilarious. It is fun. Uh, can you imagine if, they, if some promotion set that up? Oh my God! Jeez, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like Zuckerberg <laughs> trains Elon. I don't think he does. Certainly not to the level of Zuck. Zuck will just take him down, and strangle him. I think. But, but I think there is no division. Can they both fight? I think Elon Musk is too heavy, and he's tall, and uh, Mark is uh, shorter and uh, less uh, weight. So I think there is no weight can. Uh, both of them fight. That yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think I think this is uh, this is my first question, and the second one, uh, uh, who have the best career in uh, MMA? Uh, is is John Jones or uh, uh, Joe Sambier? And thank you, thank you. It's tough, man. It's like 1A, 1B to me. I think, I think Demetrius Johnson deserves to be in that discussion as well. I know he had the quote-unquote loss to Henry Cejudo, but I still don't think Henry Cejudo won that fight. DJ's got the title defense record, and I don't think anybody's touched it. Like, I don't think that record's ever going to get broken. That's like, like the Cal Ripken most consecutive games record. No one's touching that with a 10-foot pole. Never going to happen. I don't think anybody's going to beat Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak record. And I don't think anybody's going to break DJ's title defense record. I don't think it's going to get broken. The consecutive – it's so hard now. 
It's so freaking difficult to defend that title. And not only that, but to do so over and over and over again for years and years, it's almost impossible with the way that fighters have evolved over the years. There are fight like, for instance, like you look at Aljamain Sterling, like he's going to, or Volkanovsky. There are featherweights outside of the UFC right now who are knocking on the door, who are scouting Volkanovsky right now. So that four or five years from now, when they get into the UFC and they possibly fight this guy, they've been scouting him for years. Like that's how it works. It's so friggin' difficult. So I honestly, like if someone breaks that record, they might be the, the greatest of all time. I think DJ deserves to be in that conversation for sure. If we're talking UFC, it's kind of hard to deny Jones, but I understand why people might be trepidatious about it because, you know, of the, the, the drug testing stuff. That's why a lot of people don't have Anderson Silva up there. George did it. Like, he never failed a drug test. So a dude just won all the time. So I don't know. It's tough. Those, but the conversation begins with those three guys. And tastes may vary. Could be GSP because he never failed a drug test. Could be Demetrius Johnson because he has the record and never failed a drug test. Could be John Jones, but failed drug test. A lot of problems. Anderson Silva failed a drug test. You know where I'm going with this. It just depends on if you put an asterisk on Jones and Silva or if you don't. But to me, it's John. DJ is right there. But those are, it starts with DJ, GSP, and John Jones to me. And Silva's right behind him. We'll bring Viking in. What's up, Viking? Hello. How are you, mate? Good. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm fine. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, uh, this Mr. Non-Residential Dagestani, Mr. Jared Meshu, just uh, referred you uh, referred you as a Canadian. So what the hell was that? Are you really Canadian or, or an American? Thanks a lot, Mike. A few BTLs back, if I'm not wrong. Um, I don't. I don't think he referenced me as a Canadian. He might have referenced the great Alexander Kaylee as a Canadian because that's where he's from. I don't think he referenced me as a Canadian. He knows that uh, that I'm the boss, like you know, the Boston guy. You know, I lived in Boston my whole life until about two years ago. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think Jed said that. Um. You mentioned BTL. Uh, Jed is on vacation, so he will not be around. Uh, so speaking of Canada, AK back on the show again, stepping up, even on his day off. And he will challenge New York Rick for the BTL title. How about that? So that should be a lot of fun. We have a lot of stuff to talk about today. So 1230 Eastern, New York Rick versus AK. They battle it out for the strap. Let's go to Sivaram. Sivaram, are you there? 
Yeah, hi Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, I have one hypothetical question for you. Uh, not a question, but I'm curious about that one. Uh, that I'm thinking uh, a scenario where uh, AI beats Alex and uh, Toporia beats uh, Josh Emmett, and a hypothetical match between AI versus uh, Toporia. And what if uh, Alexander uh, wants to rematch with the AI? if air beats alex in the upcoming ufc event so whether whether it happens or not but i am very uh, intrigued to uh, interested to uh, watch the fight between toporia versus air um, what do you think about this one toporia versus air i mean jeez louise sign me the hell up for that Yair versus anybody is fun. I mean, that dude is just that dude is just theater. How can you not watch Yair Rodriguez and just be like, oh my God, this guy is an absolute maniac? I've said this before and I'll say it again. There is no fight I am looking forward to more, and that includes the BMF title fight, than Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez. I am all in on that fight. All in on it. Because of what it can mean, I think Yair is just so dangerous. The dude takes... He doesn't... He might lose the battle, but he very rarely loses the war. He takes takes pieces of your career, pieces of your physicality, pieces of your soul in every single fight he has. That dude limits careers. Whether he wins fights or loses them, he takes years off your career. That dude is a fucking maniac. <laughs> I can't wait for that fight. Look, I get it. Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, we know what we're going to get. We are going to get two cars crashing, and they're going to beat the hell out of each other. And it's going to be fun. But if we're talking like the unknown, and maybe we don't know who's going to win, but we kind of know how that fight's going to play out. They're just going to go in there, and they're just going to – Try to kill each other. I have no idea what's going to happen with Volkanovski versus Jair Rodriguez. And I think this is the best fight of the year on paper right now in terms of mixing the martial arts and what could happen. And somebody matching up stylistically really well with Volkanovski just because of the chaos he brings to the table. So... Love that fight so much. I cannot wait for the watch party. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Two weeks from Saturday for that watch party to watch that fight. I am going to be... I'm going to be just going bananas. Cannot wait. But yeah, if we get Yair versus Ilya Taporia, let's go. Barbarossa, hello. How are you doing today? Good, good. good. Uh, I just want to ask you about the tweet from uh, Eddie Alvarez. Did you see it? And do you think it's uh, uh, it's a possibility since uh, Chandler is not fighting any time soon? And uh, I don't think he's going to want to fight a contender like Tarukian or someone else. And do you see the, the lightweight division becoming... Uh, uh, Galacticus is just all superstars coming at once and since we might see also Max Holloway coming up in weight and 
it's going to be full of uh, superstars. Thank you, Mike. <sighs> I saw the tweet. I think Eddie Alvarez is doing it right. I would say 1% chance that happens. Like if they get, there's just no other option. I just don't think the UFC really wants to be in the Eddie Alvarez business. I, I just don't. And I think if the UFC wanted to be in the Eddie Alvarez business right now, I think they would be in the Eddie Alvarez business right now. When he, when he was a free agent, look, I understand that BKFC gave him the bag to go in there and fight Chad Mendez, and it was a great fight. I just feel like if the UFC were going, if they had a lot of interest in, in Eddie Alvarez, they would have signed him. Because I think if, if the UFC gave him a competitive offer, I don't think they were going to give him what BKFC paid him to fight Chad Mendez. I think they would have given it to him. I, I think he would have taken it. I think if the UFC came to play ball, he would have gone. He would have gone. Now, there's another name that has thrown his name into the mix. And look, he's not going to get the Chandler fight. It's not going to happen. I get it. But give Will Brooks a freaking chance. Come on. What else does this guy have to do? What else does this guy have to do? I know he's had issues in the past. He had issues with Bellator. Those fences haven't been mended. Will kind of admitted he burned some bridges on the way out. His UFC run was not great. But give this dude a chance. Come on. Like, what a story that is. What a story that would be. Go back the second time around. Try to do it right. Like, who knows? Like, he could go in there and lose two fights and then just be done. But, I mean, the fact that he's not on the season of the Ultimate Fighter is a travesty. It is a travesty. How is Will Brooks not on the Ultimate Fighter? How is he not on the Ultimate Fighter? It's craziness. We might have uh, our special guest joining us in a moment. So stay tuned. We'll take another call while we wait. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Justice, hello. Fighters like, you know, Shamrocks and those things, you know, making a special event for them to bring him back or, or is Gracie and those things. Yeah, or they are not uh, qualified anymore. I mean, look, we already got that, right? Bellator put a bunch of those fights together. We saw Shamrock and Gracie and, oh, I mean, do we really want to see that again? Do we really want to see that again at this point? I don't want to see that again. We saw it. Bellator tried. They fought. I mean, maybe there's some promotion that could do it, but I'm not all that interested in it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe our special guest has arrived. UFC contender on a tear right now. Jasmine Jazdavicius. How are you, Jasmine? I'm well. How about you? I am great. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we overcame the technical difficulties, and we've made it happen. So, yeah, that was, uh, a, that was a mess. <laughs> well, I'm very happy to have you join us. So I know you, you got the MMA Hour rub with my colleague Ariel Hawani after the big win, but uh, how have things been since that incredible performance against Miranda Maverick? You know, it's it's been awesome. I mean, life kind of went back to normal, back to training, and you know, everyone's everyone's happy for me. We got big fights coming up, so it's almost forgotten about now. And uh, you know, on on to the next one. Not too high on the highs, not too low on the lows, and back to work. So you mentioned big fights coming up, and not just in your gym, but in the UFC and in your division. We have co-main event on Saturday: Macy Barber against Amanda Hebas. A lot on the line there. I, I assume you'll be watching that fight very closely. Oh yes, I will definitely be watching that fight very closely. I, uh, I, I'm very interested in how that one plays out. What are your thoughts on how it breaks down? Do you have a, do you have a pick? How, how do you sort of break that down? How, how do you view that matchup? I think it's a cool matchup. You know, I gotta be honest. When I was preparing for my last fight, I like haven't even been like really watching the division too too much. Um, but you know, I obviously know know the girls and their styles and everything, and uh, I think it's going to be a really good fight. I think it's going to be entertaining, um, and I'm interested to see who the who the winner will be. Do you have an actual pick for it, or do you want to just be Switzerland uh, there? I I don't know. I mean, I think <laughs> I think Macy Barber might be winning that one. Oh, all right, the underdog pick. I, I, I like it. Yeah, I like going with the underdogs. All right. I mean, you were the underdog heading into the Miranda Maverick fight, and you came through shine like a diamond. Yeah. It's a, it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> I, so I, I, I want to throw one. I, I, I know that you're, you're looking at certain opponents. I want to throw one potential matchup your way, and I want to get your thoughts on it because I think, especially with that event, going back to Vancouver and seeing the crowd and seeing the Canadian fighters go undefeated and having a night like you, like you all had. Mm-hmm. I think you emerged as a potential star. You and Mike Malott, I think both of you have potential that the UFC can build around. Like anytime they go to Canada, they can put both of you on the card. It's going to draw and people are going to be interested. In it. So I understand you're in the rankings and I understand you want a ranked opponent, but I think the, the right matchup 
just to get you over even more to like more of a, a casual, more of a mainstream audience outside of just the hardcore fans. I know she has a fight coming up mm-hmm. in July. I want to see you fight Molly McCann. I think that, that would fight, be cool. Yeah, I think that would be a great fight. Be, I mean, making that that match like uh, the Patty and Patty and Molly versus me and Mike. I mean, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. I love that idea. So. Uh, Jasmine Jastavici is here. A lot of people want to ask you some questions. So I'm going to bring in some, some folks to, yeah. to ask you some questions. So Tristan, uh, there you go, buddy. What do you want to ask Jasmine? So Jasmine, I want to go back to the fight against Miranda Maverick. It was, uh, I believe, yeah. I believe it was the three minute and 52 mark. That was the big sequence where I believe you threw three jabs, went to a Muay Thai clinch, did two knees, and then finished off with the head kick. It looked like you were going to do a level change and do a double takedown to do possibly ground and pound, but it looked like you just clinched her against the cage. And then later in that round, there was where she came in to try to uh, take you down. You stuck the takedown, got onto side control. It looked like you were trying to do ground and pound in that position. And then you tried to, then you got the mount after she was trying to push you out of it and things of that nature. Um, but you ended up controlling your leg and get your legs wrapped around and try to finish her. Um, where looking at that, I don't know if you did watch the film, but you feel like the, there was things that you could, uh, okay, this is what I need to get better at and these certain and these sequences. Um, uh, because you did talk about it in the post fight, um, interview, post fight press conference where you were saying. I want to evolve. I need to get better. Everybody's good. I'm in the top 15. I got to get better. So are there things, are those things that you're trying to show up that you talk to your team a lot about this is what I need to get better at so I can be more efficient in a sense? Because I always feel as far as grappling is concerned, if you can mix the striking to get to your strength, to get to your level changes, to get to your um, takedowns where you could just keep punishing and wearing out your opponent, it'll be better for you as you move up the ladder and, and possibly most likely it'll be easier for you to get finished. So just talk a little bit about that if you can. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. It. You know, I'm, I'm always have to be ever evolving and uh, my, my last performance, I'm always going to grow from it. So what we do after a fight is my team and I all watch the, watch the fight. We sit down together and we go over as if, I'm like, we're looking at it objectively as if it's not me. And we go over and say, it's like, okay, how would we beat this girl watching this fight? What would we do to beat this girl? And um, so, well, we, we take all that data that we collect from like the previous fight. And then also things that didn't even show in the fight that my, my coaches know that I have to work on, um, I know that they've seen during camp, but, but yeah, you know, I want to, I want to start getting finishes. I'm watching Mikey get these finishes and getting these 50 K bonuses. I'm getting jealous, you know, I, uh, so I want to, I want to work on getting those finishes and, uh, you know, put, putting these girls away. That's what everyone wants to see is like hype fights and, uh, getting, getting girls, getting girls put away. I think one of the most interesting things about your style, and, and, and I tell people this all the time when, when people ask about you on the show, is that just the way you found the sport, like you were just kind of a natural at it. It just kind of happened. And then you just kept training and getting better and kept fighting. 
but the biggest, the, the big thing that a lot of people saw value on in, in your fight with Miranda was you just don't go away. Like you are just a gamer. No. You just keep pushing forward. You don't stop. Like how much of advantage did you think that that gave you heading into that fight? It was just that you're just going to keep pushing forward and probably you're going to drive her a little bit crazy with the fact that she probably couldn't hurt you at all. Well, yeah, exactly. Like that was kind of the plan. That was the, when, when I was in camp, I really had to train that a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of like a pressure fighter moving forward, but you know, when, when somebody's hitting back, it's not as easy. And, um, and so it was like, that's something that I had to train. I knew that I wanted to keep her on her back foot. I wanted to keep pressing forward. And, uh, so when I was sparring in the gym, I was like trying to make sure that my, my punch count was up. I was enough volume, enough in your face. And, you know, anytime my training partners were telling me, Oh, you're, you know, you're being annoying. I just wanted to get you off of me. (laughs) Then I was like, yeah, okay, let's go. This is that, that check that I wanted to hear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh let's bring in ani uh ani let's see if we can get that wheel going ani you have a question for jasmine what's up yep yes for this opportunity miss vicious it's really nice to speak to you i and this is the first time i've please spoken no 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 i've actually spoken to gsp before but it's really nice to speak to you uh miss ah. vicious um so my question is it's a pretty open-ended one. So, you know, when you started out to be a mixed martial artist, uh, you know, in the beginning stages, you must have felt like, man, is this going to work out? And then it actually started working out. What was that point when you knew that you could actually make a livelihood out of this career? Because from what I've understood, until you reach a certain point in your career or until you... Uh, sort of uh, have a direction in your career or you feel like, wait, I can actually see a part of the title or I can actually see a part of superstardom or, you know, like a trajectory. Uh, It's more or less a bit uncertain because sometimes you might fight, you might come off, you might win, but you might still have injuries, right? So the thing is, when did you realize that, man, this is actually working out and how did you deal with the nervousness of, uh, you know, this career? Because it's so damn uncertain. And um, that that's, that's what I had. And uh, that's what I wanted to ask you. And one thing that I always feel like I need to tell uh, mixed martial artists moving on whenever I meet them is, if there's any injuries, anything at all, even if it is small, it's like preaching the choir, but please have it taken care of. It's just heartbreaking to see what happened to Brian Ortega against his fight uh, with Yai Rodriguez or Tom Aspinall at UFC London or, uh, you know, things like things that need to be taken care of or Conor McGregor against his third fight with Dustin Poirier. So if there's any injuries, please take care of yourself. And uh, thank you so much for what you do. Um, Yes, that's it. Yeah. um, So as for the the nerves, you know, it. I didn't really start to to believe it. It was, it was like I took a amateur fight. I'm like, okay, I just want to try an amateur fight. And so, of course, there was like nerves, but I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. And so I just understood that nerves were going to be part of the process. 
Um, and then, you know, after getting that, that first amateur win, then that's when I caught the bug. That's when I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is the coolest thing in the world. I love martial arts. I love fighting. I love being in the cage and competing. And um, so it just kind of continued to grow from there. I, I kind of had the idea, oh, I would like to be in the UFC one day. But it wasn't like a what wasn't like a hard focus. It was more little goals on the way. So it was like, okay, take another fight to have, fight for a amateur title to be a become a pro. You know, keep, continue building my pro career, and um, and so I just kind of continued doing that. And then it was like, next thing I know, I had the opportunity to be on Contender Series, and then it would like just grew from there. It was like a snowball effect. So. I guess it's just like get getting started and understanding that nerves are nerves are all going to be part of the process. You're you're always going to have to deal with nerves and, uh, you know, it's it's just it's part of it. Just accepting that, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be nervous on on fight day, but this is what I'm what I love to do. I, I love being in the cage. I love competing the most nerve wracking part is just waiting the the camp leading up and waiting on deck right before you're going out that that's when it once you get in the cage all the all the nerves are gone and you're just excited to be in there and uh and it's and it's a, just a great experience um and then as for the the injuries yeah it's tough dealing with injuries but yeah i i always manage to uh to make sure that i'm i'm keeping everything good Great questions. Uh, Four Corner Sports, do you have a question for Jasmine? Go ahead, sir. Four Corner Sports, are you there? Four Corner Sports. <laughs> what are you doing? All right. No Four Corner Sports. No problem. No Four Corner Sports, so... Yeah, and even there, like during your pro career, uh, you logged a lot of miles, Jasmine. You were traveling all over the place. Pittsburgh, Massachusetts. Like it took you forever to even fight in Canada as a pro, right? Because of everything going on in the world. Yeah, exactly. I I was fighting in this. I don't I I didn't fight in Canada until like I think my pro like my third fight in my pro career. So I had a I had a bunch of fights in the States before before anything it's it's hard to get fights in Canada so I was very fortunate that I lived close to the border and I was able to to get fights also I did a lot of traveling for training and I think that's why I've had so much growth and um, you know maturity within the sport yeah definitely getting some different looks and training with some killers Uh, four corner sports do we have you You're muted. For Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes, we got you. Hey, so I wanted to ask, um, so Jasmine, so uh, you're a fighter that has fought on the Apex and and you also fought on multiple pay-per-view cards. Um, what's the difference as you're walking towards the octagon um, and while you're inside the octagon fighting in the Apex compared to the, to um, what's it called, uh, in front of a full crowd? Um, do you get the jitters? Do you get the nerves? Do you... Um, do you feel like you, you fight better? What's it called in the apex? I just feel like it's it, it, on TV. It looks night and day, but I would like to know from like a fighter's perspective. And um, 
your fight with Miranda Maverick was, you know, outstanding. Um, going into that training camp, like, what was, like, some things that you guys, like, focused on, um, knowing that, you know, Miranda, you know, is a, is a good, you know, fighter, and she had a couple of losses coming into the fight. But uh, what were some of the things that you and your, your coaching your, your coaching staff implemented into that training camp? All right, thanks. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry. So going into camp, I knew she was a strong wrestler. Uh, I knew she was well-rounded. You know, I watched a bunch of tape on her. I saw what her kind of like strikes that she likes going to, um, uh, you know, watching her footwork and all that kind of stuff. So, but I, um, I knew that she kind of what, what puts her, puts her away from like everyone else was how, she does have strong wrestling. So I knew that I was going to make sure to focus on, on my, on my wrestling and, um, and just make sure that, you know, anything that she had was nullified. I, I believed that my grappling was better than her and my striking was better than hers. So I figured I'm like, I got to go straight punches and like smart wrestling. So that was, uh, that was our game plan going into the fight. Uh, sorry, what was your first question about again? He asked about the difference fighting at the apex oh. as opposed to fighting in a full arena with a bunch of screaming fans. You know, the full arena is way better than the apex. Oh my goodness. I love fighting with the crowd. I feel like the crowd charges me, like especially in Canada. That was amazing, but I love it. You know, fighting at the Apex, it's it's sick because you still get to fight and it's cool and you got a better opportunity to to win a bonus and you can hear your coaches better. So there's definitely pros in it. But man, there is nothing like fighting fighting with the crowd, you know, like going out and like being able to to show like the fans how much I love them, being able to shake their hands and like, you know, slap hands as I'm going into the cage. Like nothing charges you up more that you're getting into a battle than like feeling the crowd behind you. And it felt like it felt like the Canadian crowd was like coming into the cage with me and they're like, you know, this is our land. Like you're not taking this. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I'll take one more and then uh, we'll let Jasmine go train. CV, go ahead, my man. What's up, Jasmine? Uh, just two quick questions for me. Uh, as a fellow Canadian, uh, specifically living in Ontario, um, is there any way to get into, like, um, not, not, like, participating or fighting, but just, like, watching, like, the amateur, like, uh, MMA scene here? And uh, second question, um, who is your favorite uh, male MMA fighter of all time, uh, besides GSP, of course, and your favorite female MMA fighter of all time? Thanks. So my favorite female is Joanna. I really, I really like her. I really respect her. I, uh, I, I like her a lot. Um, my favorite male, honestly, it like switches a lot. But I've been on Peter Yan for a while. I, I like his style. I like, I like his. Uh, you know, I, I like him. But there. There's so many guys that it's like Moreno. I like his style. I like Pantoja. That that fight is that that one's gonna be crazy. It's so hard for me to choose a favorite male because every time I I watch, I'm like, holy, they're they're crazy. Um, but um, as for the amateur scene, you know, it's tough in Ontario, but there'll be fight cards around. Like Montreal sometimes has 
cards um, for amateur, or you're going to have to watch like the Muay Thai ones. I would say you have a better opportunity to watch the pros before they get into the UFC. Um, like, for example, tonight or no, tomorrow, Unified is having a card in Niagara Falls. We got a bunch of guys on, on that card. Well, I'm actually at the weigh-ins right now with them. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to training. Everything got kind of mixed up. We had guys cutting weight, and uh, so I figured I'll come with them instead of going going spar today. I'm supposed to be taking 14 days off anyway, so I'm helping them cut weight right now. Um, but yeah, I would say check out the the pro scene in Ontario would be easier, or just across the border in Buffalo. They have at the Seneca Casino. They'll have the the pros. Um, but yeah, just go on Niagara top team, um, their Instagram there. And we always like advertise the fights that are going on with the guys. And, uh, they're, they're great fights. Like these guys will be in the UFC soon. And, um, I would say, check those out. Great advice right there. All right, Jasmine, uh, thank you for joining us. I'm glad we were able to get you in here. I'll let you go and, uh, help your teammates cut weight it's just crazy to kind of see where you're at right now like you and i were doing interviews i believe i think the first interview we did was uh right before your first pro fight and now you're a ranked ufc fighter it's just crazy to think about it's been uh it's surreal watching you on pay-per-views and getting out there and and having performances like you're having so congratulations on the win congratulations on all the success and Hopefully we see you back in there uh, sooner rather than later. Awesome. Mike, always great chatting with you. Yeah, like you know, like you said, you've been with me from the start. And uh, it's it's nice that we have like the rapport and everything now. So thank you so much for having me. And so so sorry about all the the mix ups with the trying to get on. You know, I'm an old person. This Twitter thing is tough for me to to manage <laughs> to navigate through it. <laughs> oh man. Thank you so much, Jasmine. There she is, Jasmine, uh, Jazz Davicius. Nice little, uh, you guys have been asking, like, can we get some fighters on here, do some Q&A stuff, and we got it done. So very, very cool. Thank you to Jasmine for, for hopping in. So we are done, everybody. Thank you very much. We'll be back again tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. I believe we'll do this again. Um, maybe we'll tag in AK Lee. Maybe we'll, we'll do a lead of the morning again. I, I actually have the day off. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I will be in Jacksonville on Saturday uh, covering the UFC Jacksonville card. So I'm excited to head on over there and be boots on the ground for MAFighting.com. BTL coming up 1230, about 80 minutes from right now. AK versus New York Rick. Lots to talk about, a lot to dive into. So it should be a lot of fun. So thank you all very much. Back at it again tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day, and as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.